The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts also gets three timeouts. One in the morning, one in the afternoon, one at night. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. I'm with Dominic Foxworth. Looking cozy, both of us. Yeah. I'm a little it's over the top because I'm in LA. It's yeah. 56 degrees here. Cold. Yeah, it's actually not that cold here right now. It's in the 50s here too, so you don't get to like do your whole LA thing. But I'm sure it's going to be like 30 <laughs> tomorrow, so... Whatever. I uh, yeah, it's, I didn't need this turtleneck, but alas, I look cute, so it's all right. I think this is our first show of December, and we are firmly approaching the playoffs, and way too many teams are still in contention. Um, <laughs> and we're going to talk about that as it pertains to the NFC South, which might not be decided until the very end. But I did want to hit a piece of news at the top. I, right before we started taping, uh, it's been reported that Titans GM John Robinson has been let go, um, resulting in a collective uh, around the NFL and on NFL Twitter and amongst NFL analysts. Uh, assuming that there's not some non-football reason, I just kind of want to talk about the football side of it. Actually, there, there's another thing I saw, and I don't want to um, put too much stock into this, but there was some speculation also that Rabel might get more power, a.k.a. the Bill O'Brien uh, so uh, that's another interesting angle. I get. I, I, I want to talk about John Robinson first, though, because it's very unusual for a team that is probably going to win the division, that is in a pole position right now, to fire their GM midseason. Dominique, assuming again, just assuming this is a football thing, yeah. are you shocked? Yeah, I'm shocked because these moves don't normally happen. In part, I mean, I guess you're you're already doing draft prep. But yeah. uh, normally this stuff happens in the offseason because you don't want that drama in the locker room, which, which is why you need to say over and over again, assuming there's nothing else, because this doesn't happen because this feels like an urgency hire. I mean, urgency fire, which like mm-hmm. there are ra- rarely are there reasons to urgently fire your GM in the middle of the season. It's not a coach. Maybe his pr- draft prep was something that they didn't like, but it's not like they brought someone in, in immediately. So like uh, the Vrabel news uh, I mean, I guess I was going to say that I didn't need to hear that because my assumption is, yeah, he got pushed out <laughs> and he got on, on the nerves of the the only person in the organization who has more power and influence than him is the guy who like overachieves with the talent. Because I'm guessing that's what the conversations are is, why aren't we winning Super Bowls? Mm. And Brable's like, well... Every every publication you look at, every time Mina Kimes opens her mouth, she says that <laughs> that that we are doing as much as we can with what we have. It ain't my fault. Uh, what if uh, the owner, it's Amy Strunk, Strunk or something. What if they were watching the Eagles game and they just watched A.J. Brown and said, yeah, no. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean, shouldn't have yeah. let that guy walk. I, which Sorry. I actually think is it, that's oversimplifying yeah. the decision to let him walk. I mean, it's I, I probably would have leaned on trying to keep AJ Brown, but I also think some of the moves that the Titans made this off season suggested 
that they knew the team wasn't a Super Bowl contender, which right. we normally respect in teams when they're a little bit self-aware. Um, like this, they're not, they're a division winner probably because the division's bad and they're very well coached and they have good players. But, you know, when you stack them up against some of the other teams in the AFC, they're not as good. And, you know, what they could have done is they could have, I don't know, extended Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and tried to find more money under the sofa, but they didn't. They they took a hard line and said, all right, this is the roster this year. We're probably going to have some changes next year. Um, I will say I, I pulled up John Robinson's drafts just out of curiosity. And it's kind of interesting, Dominique, because He's had a couple misses in the first round, notably Isaiah Wilson, 2020. Caleb Farley's been hurt, you know, and that was kind of the question out of him in 2021. But outside of the first round, he's had a lot of hits. I mean, some really good drafts. The 2019 draft from top to bottom, you go Jeff Simmons, A.J. Brown, Nate Davis, Amani Hooker, DeAndre Walker, David Long stands out. Christian Fulton later round. Um, I like Elijah Molden, Rashad Weaver. And then this year, Roger McCreary, well, starting with Traylon Bur- Burks, Roger McCreary, Nicholas petit Frere, Malik Willis, Hassan, ha- Hassan Haskins, and then Chig Oconquo. That's a good draft. Like, I actually think Burks has been really good when he's been healthy. So I don't think he's, you know, the first rounders jump out. But other than that, he's had some pretty good picks. Go Terps, Chig Oconquo. Um, he's turned he's into, good. uh, yeah, he's a great athlete. I, like I ran player. into him, yeah. um, last year or year before last, I think at a local college park diner. He's a really nice kid. Hope that he succeeds. Um, and he is succeeding, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's to me, you can't put it on one decision, but I yeah. do think that it speaks to, especially hearing the stuff about Vrabel afterwards, it speaks to mm. like Vrabel hasn't liked something. And he's gotten uh, the power to fix it. And also, it might be they're headed into a full uh, rebuild, whereas last year they suggested they were headed in a rebuild direction by, obviously, if they thought they were closer to the championship, they don't let A.J. Brown leave. They let him leave because they are planning on rebuilding this, and that's what they're about to do. And they want a a whole new philosophy, and it's not going to be old Johnny Boys. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how it works out with Rabel. Point to the Bill O'Brien example, but there's just not that many examples of uh, assuming that's what's going to happen. You know, the the coach absolute power in the Belichick. I mean, he so, might. Yeah. It's funny. That's all. Might, Patriots, they might so. bring. Yeah, they might bring in um, someone that he agrees with. You know, like yeah. I think that's being the totally a- actually being the one making the decisions. Like I think is. Very. I mean, doing the full GM job in head coaching is really tough. But like having the final say and having someone smart organize all the decisions for you and someone you trust who has a has a similar football philosophy, I don't think is a terrible idea. Like being aligned as an organization generally is a good thing. All right, somebody has to win the NFC South. It's probably going to be the Bucks. Do they? Nah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, can a team just uh, not not lose it better than the other teams? I tweeted this last night during the game. I wish the Falcons were better because I actually yeah. kind of enjoy watching them play. Like they're fun. I wish I, it, it sounds like they they might actually make the move to Ritter. Finally, Arthur Smith kind of hinted at that for the first time this uh, last week, and we'll see what he's got. I would have liked to see him earlier just to 
you know, so they could develop him. But um, the Bucks are in. I think ESPN's FBI index says the Bucks is like ninety two percent likely to win. Uh, they didn't really win last night's game so much as the Saints lost it. Yeah. Uh, I don't usually like that framing, but I feel like it's pretty yeah, it's, accurate in this case. I, let me ask you this. Let's start here. Okay, so this was uh, not exactly a coaching masterclass from both no. sides. Which uh, which God. team misses their quit coach more? Uh, yeah, well, it's the Saints. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Champagne, yeah. Yeah, Champagne's a much better uh, coach. But yeah, I mean, I thought Andy Dalton played well last night, and he yeah. still had, there were drop passes that yes. could have put this game out of reach a number of times, like in the first half and the second half. And then there's the Taysom Hill who, like, man, congratulations, Taysom Hill. Like, he did it. I don't know how, but he did it. This man has made a damn career, and he out here making touchdowns and making plays uh, in the course of this game. But yeah, it just felt like slept when it counted when he had to catch. Yeah, 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 yeah. He right got in the hands. I mean, you can't he, even blame him because a million things happened that led and, to and, Brady getting the ball back. There's so many things you can Keon, be angry about if you're a Saints fan. Keanu Neal, which you got to make sure well. you put the, put the pause in the right spot because it gets confusing. He played it well. He hit him right in the ball with the yeah. with his shoulder pads. But yeah, if that's the that's the Taysom Hill thing. It's like if you had an actual tight end there, might have held on to it. That's actually probably the least objectionable. Like you can say, ah, oh, really, you're going to call yeah. pass to Taysom Hill on third down, whatever. But that was like an improbable pass. Anyway, <laughs> poor Andy Dalton. That was a perfect pass, and it was a really difficult oh. pass. And he would have been a hero if Taysom Hill had hold on to it. But if you're a Saints fan, I would say that ranks like fifth on the list of things that you're angry about that led to the collapse. Um, starting for me with Dennis Allen punting with I was it, like five minutes left. And Bucks territory, both coaches were determined to outpunt each other in this one. We can talk about the bull side of it in a in a in a second. Um, and I, by the way, if I'm a defensive coach who wants to be a head coach, I'm so mad watching this because you know that the narrative coming out is going to be you can't have a defensive guy as a head coach anymore. And I don't. I mean, yeah, that's we, a stupid we, narrative. It's a stupid narrative. Look at Denver. Okay, look at yeah. I mean, the Raiders have struggled. Yeah, there's plenty of. Coaches making bad decisions across the NFL. Anyways, um, I would be mad about that. I would be mad about <laughs> the throw on third and one. I would be mad about Mark Ingram stepping out of bounds. Maybe Mark Ingram shouldn't have been in the game. If he was hurt. If he was too hurt yeah. to go for that yard, he shouldn't have been in. Whatever. There's so many stupid things pass interference. that happened. Yeah, the 40-yard pass interference penalty at the end. I'd be oh, mad yeah. about that. Yeah, there's so many things to be angry at other than Taysom Hill not holding on to that pass. I have a question for you about the Bucks. They're not good at football is the answer to whatever question you're going <laughs> to ask. And yes, they're going to make the playoffs. And yes, they might win a game. And yes, I'm going to be angry when it happens. How, if you're with the Bucks, do you not watch... How much better they are in hurry up. This isn't just a one game thing, by the way. Um, I, I, I tweeted about this. Sorry to keep citing my own tweets. And um, I think Arjun Minan replied with a chart showing how good the, the Bucks are the best hurry up team in the NFL. Yeah. Okay. So it's not just this one game. How do you not look at that and say, hmm, 
something is different about our offense when we don't get bogged down on early downs and we don't, you know, have a million. I mean, obviously defense is playing different hurry up. There's a million things that go into it. But at this point, like the gap is, so, it's not just that they're better. In hurry. A lot of teams will look better on offenses will look better and hurry up. The gap is so big. It looks like two completely different football teams. And that's why they're so infuriating because when you watch that, you feel like, they don't have to be as bad as they are. Look, Brady's inaccurate throwing downfield this year. There's issues. Sometimes the right receivers have trouble getting open. The offensive line is not good. The run game has its problems. That's fine. But there's glimpses of competence that make the whole product all the more infuriating. So I somehow come up with really smart things to say on your podcast that I cannot come up with on my own podcast, which is like it's evidence that you're a great teammate and uh and I love working with you but I didn't realize this but uh, as you once you said that it started me thinking of like okay so can they actually be a better football team in hurry up how does it how can that be possible and then it hit me that in hurry up the defense has few checks and also in hurry up the offense has more options and what happens is your middle linebacker becomes your defensive coordinator and your quarterback becomes your offensive coordinator. And your offensive coordinator also has 20 years of football experience and has seen everything and can make decisions at the line. Like it's it's what it's what uh, Peyton Manning did for most of his career is run the hurry up because when you're in the hurry up, defenses have very few checks and they are very obvious checks. And you don't have any blitzes. I guess you can start to scheme them in when you're preparing for them, but you're not going to be able to put in a full slate of attacking blitzes. So the drawback of that is if you don't convert, you put your defense back on the field really quickly. And that's which I, I mean, I guess you can also do no huddle without hurry up. Uh, and again, Peyton Manning would do that often where they just wouldn't yeah. huddle, but he would hard count and do all types of weird stuff, gesticulations at the line of scrimmage to get us to show what we were doing. And then he'd switch to play. So, yeah, I, I don't see why that's not something that they don't recognize and, and, and try to use more frequently. Tom Brady's greatest asset is his mind. Yeah. So everything you're just saying, like, a, a, yeah, of course. I mean... It's not to say this will like solve all of their problems. I'm just no. saying when you see that big of a gap, right, between the impotence of, you know, 54 minutes or whatever the heck we had to watch of this team, clearly there's something to tap into there. Um, I did enjoy Tom Brady trying to stage a mild rebellion and kick the bunt team off the field. I feel like um, somebody got hurt. Uh, I can't remember who was hurt. So, oh, Cam Jordan, I think, was down a little briefly. But by the way, Cam Jordan, still great. Awesome yeah. in this game. Uh, and then uh, Todd Bowles overruled him. And I, that actually was less objectionable to me. So that was fourth and 10. And they were, I, there was a few minutes left, or pardon me, how much time was left at that point? In any case, uh, Brady wanted to stay on the field and, and go for it on fourth and 10. It's a little dicey, you know, and some things had to go right from the Saints side for it to work out for Tampa. I thought the more egregious one was the one at the beginning of the fourth quarter when the Bucks were in Saints territory. And I think it was fourth and seven. And not only did they punt, it was a, in the words of Tom Brady on the sideline that were, you could not hear, but you could see his lips. 
a effing touchback an effing touchback yeah. <laughs> it's so uh, and, yeah. and then people say well it's a defensive coach he trusts his defense if you trust your defense you should trust them to stop if you don't get it right that's yeah it's not it's not trust it's not trust so your mad. defense it's it's that you don't trust your offense is what it is is like you're you're looking to you don't trust anybody um i got sidetracked and I'll take a pause here to allow for proper editing if need be. But when you said impotence, I just thought about how many curved carrots I saw on commercial breaks during the Monday Night Football game. Did you see all those commercials too? It was weird, right, Mina? No. You didn't? Okay. Never mind. What are these commercials you're talking about? There was commercials for medication to, um, to address a curvature. An unwanted curvature, an unwanted no, male. I've never curvature. seen these commercials. What? There Maybe was it, it was the same commercial. Maybe it's targeted targeted ads. <laughs> they're targeted ads. It might be a local oh, thing. Man. It might be a local thing. I think different cities yeah, do I different mean, commercials. So. I mean, yeah, I'm in New York, so apparently there's a problem up here. Anyway, back to the football. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm telling you, it was like six of them. But all right. Uh, the impotent, books I don't like, yeah, impotent is a tough adjective. I almost said Brady staged an insurrection, and I was like, no, we don't do insurrection yeah, yeah, anymore. So I switched <laughs> it to rebellion. <laughs> so yeah, I'm on the yeah. side of the insurrection, so I don't want to call it that. <laughs> they're um, they're okay. both great words that have been co-opted by uh, evil uh, phenomena. Let's talk briefly about the Saints. I think that's enough Bucks complaining. Thank you. Oh, one quick shout out to the Bucks. Uh, the Demons has actually held up. After losing mm-hmm. Shaq Barrett. So they have a yeah, good defense. A, I think they're like a bunch of DBOA. And a bunch of DBs. They're hanging in there. Yeah. Yeah. Also, shout out to Carl Nassib. Sealing the game. <laughs> it was a really funny sack. It was like, he was just like barreling around at the edge. Um, okay. After the game, I think it was, I saw Charles McDonald put out the draft order. And after, you know, the Texans and who's second? They're a terrible team. I forget. But, um, you have the three trades. So you have, I don't even know if I have this in the right order. I believe you have the Lions pick from the Rams. The, or we might be third now. Okay. Whatever the order is, there's the Lions pick from the Rams, the Broncos pick, now the Seahawks, and the Eagles have the Saints pick. Let me yeah. ask you, which one of those is the most insulting? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's... Obviously, the Seahawks pick. Yeah, I the think contract comes with all this stuff with yeah, that. Yeah, and because they had what seemed like such an obvious, like mutual understanding, like I'll give you what this is worth, what this car is worth, and then the car showed up, and that thing it it barely starts, it can't get you around the block. I think it, it it don't ride. They did not check out the Carfax, and they got stuck with a a lemon. And it's and then they're gonna have to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the that's the real kicker is that they got worse. Yeah, they got I worse. I know. Oh. Teddy, the Rams at least you got a Super Bowl out of it, right? So you can be like, yeah, oh, the Rams is like whatever, year, you know. Yeah, I, you could argue though. I would say the Rams the to, to, one, to me. I'm sorry, to me the Rams, uh, the Rams feels like a trade. Like they knew what they were giving away, and they got what they wanted out of it. Like yes, it hurts now to like pay the car note every month, but you got what you wanted. Sorry. 
Side note, I saw rumored that so Baker Mayfield was waived by Carolina mm-hmm. and I saw the Rams listed. I think Pro Football Talk said that they might be interested. I don't understand that at all. Like yeah. y'all, season's over. <laughs> like yeah. uh, I mean, especially I know the, if the, you the, claim him, you have to I pay mean, him like the over reason- the reason to bring in Baker Mayfield if your season is already over is to get a close look at him for next season. Is if you think that he didn't get a fair shake in Cleveland because of the injury and then he went down to a bad situation with Matt Rule and you're like, well, let's get him in our building and take a look at him for four weeks for a million dollars. I think that's a. Yeah, he'll he'll never make it on waivers all the way to San Francisco because so many other teams need a quarterback, and it's like a, a million dollars to How take about a San Francisco. Yeah, a million dollars to take a up close look at a potential solution at quarterback is is pocket change. So the last thing I wanted to say was that the Saints one though, in some ways, is the worst process because Denver I think is the worst outcome. You're right because right. not only did they make a trade, they're locked in the contract, all that, but they did that trade because they thought he would be the quarterback. I get that. The Saints knew who their quarterbacks were coming into this season. I think that's what, I mean, I, sorry, Saints fans, they're still good players on the roster. You know, maybe, I don't know, I'm trying to be nice, but you did that trade knowing you had a question mark at quarterback, and that's what remains in retrospect all so puzzling about the Saints offseason was um, that they acted like they were <laughs> a Super Bowl contender. I, I just don't. I mean, also, Saints- God damn, the Eagles have it. The Eagles. Y'all yeah. let Howie Roseman have that pick. Yes, this so is scary. Howie. Uh, it's like Danny Ainge in basketball. It's like, how does he keep getting you guys? Like, if he, if he says yes to a trade, you need to change your mind. Because obviously yes. you just got fleeced. So, yeah, this that's a bad one. The, I mean, the only thing I can say to try to make sense of what the Saints offseason was is it's the same offseason every year. At least they're consistent. Yeah. Like they're, they're always oh. all in. And as someone who like hates tanking, I should be uh, in favor of that. But like, I'm not on any far extreme of any spectrum. Like, I believe that this- you should not give up on a season. But you also should be realistic about your potential and try to build a team. That's why we're being like mildly or at least not totally slamming John Robinson for the decisions he made this offseason because they tried to thread the needle a little bit and it kind of worked. (laughs) That's why the firing is puzzling. But yeah, I wouldn't do trades with Harry Roseman. We used to, um, I don't know how you are when you play games with your kids. But when we would play Monopoly with my dad, he would always try to win. Even when we were like six, he would just (laughs) dance on our graves. And my brother and I made like a handshake mafia side deal Uh, where we wouldn't trade with him when we were kids because we were just like one of us has to come out on top and... It would, and he would get so mad because because we wouldn't trade with him. You know, at the end, you really got to do trades, so the games would take like five hours. Anyways, the owners need to all gang up together. And oh, the owners need to collude. All right, I see who size you on anti labor. Also, your dad, <laughs> g- genius, probably made you and your brother so much closer. Forced you to work together. That man's three yeah. D parent chess out there. You didn't even know what he was doing, but he was building your bond. I'm gonna go whoop my kids in some uh, Monopoly when I get home. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. Come back and talk about some well, 
some winners and some losers and some more interesting teams. Wolves. They're wolves. Don't forget. Oh, right. Dang. I forgot my own terminology. All right, people, we are brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. See, it's not just about the daily promos, odds boosts, or the hundreds of ways to wager. It's about the immortal words of Caesar himself. You bet, you get with Caesar's Rewards. Every bet you place on the app, no matter the outcome, earns towards exclusive perks at Caesar's Rewards destinations everywhere. Hotel stays, concert tickets, bonuses, and more. Download the Caesars Sportsbook app, become a Caesars Rewards members today, and get more with every wager. Must be 21 years or older to gamble. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. All right, we're back. Um, since we finished the last segment by praising Howie Roseman, I feel like that sets up my winner. So I'll go first this week. It is Jalen Hurts. So I've talked about the Eagles offense, how much I love, I mean, Everyone knows that the Eagles are a really good team, but I, I loved how this offense week after week beats teams in different kinds of ways. This is something you and I have talked about, games where they they run like crazy. There's RPOs, there's the deep ball, whatever. Um, they're really good at constructing game plans for different opponents, which is so important in the postseason. And we're coming off a game against the Titans where the Titans have very good run defense, so the Eagles come out throwing the ball and boy, did they ever. I, I felt like this was a good moment for me to like step back and appreciate what Hurts specifically, not just the Eagles offense, not the situation, not the wide receivers, not AJ Brown, but Jalen Hurts has done this season. Because Dominique, you know, I, I always liked his game, but I was a little bit dubious after the playoff loss last year. He has grown so much as a passer since then. Um his pocket management, his pre-snap recognition. He's not fooled. He doesn't 
put the ball in harm's way. He'll take calculated risks like that, uh, the go ball to AJ Brown, um, you know, when he had one-on-one coverage that wasn't, you know, you, you don't normally throw that ball, but he knew AJ Brown had a matchup advantage. He's just become so good at the quarterback position. And I just wanted to read you some stats. So we know, you know, Hertz obviously ranks high in like everything, but the ones that really jumped out to me on non-play action screen or draws are just straight dropbacks. He is fifth in QBR. He is third in QBR inside the pocket. He is fifth on quick game. On third and long, he is fourth. And he has a third lowest off target percentage in the NFL. That's special. So, and that is why for me, he is firmly in the MVP race uh, right up there, probably behind Patrick Mahomes. MVP and most improved. It's, yeah, uh, I think totally. that th- there his performance has gotten so much better that I was looking for some other explanation other than like he just got better. But there aren't PEDs for what he did. Like yeah. it, it's not. <laughs> there's no accuracy. Uh, dopamine. There's no like intelligence. I mean, not dopamine. Uh, shot for that. There's no intelligence. Uh, pill. There's like. There's no way for you to get better in the ways that he gotten better, other than like commitment. And I think that it helps to have A.J. Brown. That helps. It helps to have a great offensive line. It helps to have a coaching staff that seems smart and flexible and adaptable. Um, I don't think that Jalen Hurts is getting all, as much credit as he deserves, and he's getting a lot of credit. But also, like, the defense is doing the same thing in their game plan, like, flexibility. Yeah, And it's, again, because they are so loaded over there. And we talked about this again. We actually are incredibly incredibly prescient and geniuses when it comes to this because all the stuff that we say is going to happen, like most of it happens. I think we, uh, like three weeks ago, we determined that the uh, the Bengals are better this year than they were last year. Now everybody's showing up on their shows saying that shit. We've been said that. All right. So um, the Eagles have, and we talked about this in the preseason, about how they have, like, really great players at all levels and at all and at, at the important positions, which mm. allows them to put the pressure in different places. So, like, all right, Derrick Henry is the problem this week. So let's leave our corners out there and let's load the box. Not everybody can do that. Yeah. And I understand the Titans receivers aren't great, but not everybody can do that without getting a bunch of pass interferences or giving up big plays or even have the the like comfort to go out there and do that. And so, like, I don't know. And, and if you want to put pressure on their D-line because you're facing a, a, a big passing attack, like let's say when they play the Vikings, they can do that also. They have... Yeah, if it weren't for us, like, yeah, if it weren't for our preconceived, like, notions about Jalen Hurts, like, if you don't change the numbers, just change the player, we would be talking about them with a lot more respect based on how they've been beating people down. You know, when you're talking about how it's crazy that he's, like, gotten more accurate and just gotten better at the quarterback position and mentally and all of that, it's funny because when Josh Allen did that, we were... We, I feel like the football commentary yet, we're like, but don't think it can happen again, guys. I actually think John, Jalen Hurts the was different. 
it, it was different. And, you know, he was a better quarterback than actually Allen was, you know, before Allen made the leap, like coming from college is what I'm saying. He was a better college quarterback, but it is pretty interesting now that we have like these two young quarterbacks where they have improved in areas that I think traditionally we've been skeptical of quarterbacks abilities to improve. And it speaks to, I mean, both of these guys seems like have similar psychological profiles in terms of like their work ethic and, and dog they're, they got that dog in them, but they're <laughs> also tall. really well coached in great situations yeah. with very good GMs. And, um, and, yeah. And, and they're great athletes, which like, yeah, I which think, gives you that to lean on yeah. always as you work on the other side parts of your game. Exactly. Um, yeah, the, <sighs> I don't know why I see it as being different, but I feel like Josh Allen, his, I feel like Josh Allen's leap was like more impressive, but maybe I'm just, I I should go back and look at the numbers. It it, it, it was a bigger leap. And then also Josh Allen. They're in the same category, I guess, of, of jumps. Hertz is in many, in some ways, like kind of more of a traditional quarterback. Like it's, which right. feels weird to say because they lean more on him as a runner. But when he yeah. operates in the pocket, I mean, and he's know, black like, and short. It's like not traditional quarterback. How tall is he? Josh Allen. I don't know, but he looks maybe just because he's wide. He looks like he's probably like six foot or six one. Definitely over six feet. But yeah, Josh Allen is crazy. But Josh Allen also has more like holy throws, right? Like than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Um, makes really good. Th- I mean, he's been throwing a really beautiful deep ball this year from the pocket. Um, Josh Allen yeah. is better throwing on the run and like has that kind of Six more Mahomesian quality with the arm angles and all of that. And like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't really see, I rarely see a Jalen Hurts throw where I'm like, I don't understand how that happened. I understand how that happened, but the fact that he's become a good passer coupled with the fact that he's, you know, <laughs> an incredible runner as well is why like it feels a little bit more mm, it, it it isn't more expected because I do think both of these things are pretty surprising and pretty there's not that many examples in NFL history of it happening but the Allen one is just a little bit crazier yeah I mean uh, it's weird that we're having this debate and discussion I find <laughs> it interesting I hope everybody else does too but the the Jalen Hurts one seems less impressive, but in many ways it's a lot more impressive because Josh Allen hasn't stopped playing like Josh Allen. Like we spent the yeah. last several weeks explaining how Josh that. Allen still does the things that are like you would say, like uh, you would question his judgment. Jalen Hurts doesn't do those things. And his accuracy has improved. Both of their accuracy improved. And I think that both their accuracy improved in part because of adding like legitimate number one receivers. Jalen Hurts has two guys that I think help, which is nice. And Josh Allen had two guys for a few weeks, but it doesn't seem like Gabe Gabe Davis is considered in that category anymore. Well, I think it's a good transition to your woof because um, outside of the Chiefs, all of the really good teams have a stud. At wide receiver, like an, uh, just a guy who can get you a bucket. Your wolf does not. Now, Rashad Bateman did get hurt. I like his game, but I don't think anyone would put him in the same class as, you know, the the Diggs, the yeah. uh, the Browns, the, obviously the Hills and the Jeffersons and all that of the world, or the Lambs, even frankly. And 
your wolf is we're doing the Ravens because of Lamar's injury, which we can talk about. But even before he got hurt, I just started to feel more dubious of how this team is constructed. Yeah, they haven't been. Well, first of all, um, get you a bucket. You're such a football like meatball at this point it's just like you you were considered basketball. a stat nerd i think early on i know it's a basketball term but it's a the way a guy that can get you a bucket is a very like it's probably the you can quantify talking and you're like i like yeah, if you took a wide receiver us, like one clutch, of us like uh contested yeah. catches in high leverage situations would be to get you if any of my <laughs> beloved nerd listeners want to make a chart it. about that yeah <laughs> Can we you get, a, get you a bucket chart? Because obviously Justin Jefferson is the all the way on the oh. upper, you know, the the right there yeah. that part of the chart. Oh boy! Okay, yeah, I so mean, the, the uh, way they update. perform. Oh, sorry. Quick update on Lamar injury. By the way, I, I mentioned this to you. So it's a sprained PCL. They're saying one to three weeks. So. All right. So yeah, and he got hurt in the pocket. So everybody shut up. But it does matter. <laughs> <laughs> because it does limit his ability to do the thing that he one of the things that he does exceptionally well. So, of course, that all matters. But I think what you were pointing at is a bigger question about the Ravens. And yes, the Ravens are one of those teams that is like the opposite of Jalen Hurts and that we are hesitant to appreciate how good he is. We're all very hesitant to be critical of the Ravens because they have been so well run uh, for so long and rosters always seem smartly constructed and we're like ahead of the curve with analytics and they dress it up or they dress it down. Actually, the Ravens are like when a presidential candidate like rolls up his sleeves and unbuttons his <laughs> shirt and sits at, uh, at like a lunch counter. So you guys can pretend that he's dumb or at least back in the day when they used to do that, pretend that they were dumb. That's the Ravens. Cause they're like, it's all numbers behind these decisions, yeah. but they send John Harbor out there to like, rah, 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 go for rah, it. let's do it. Oh, you want to do it? I and trust then we're you, all like, son. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the way you do it. When actually some nerd told you, John in his ear, hey, the probabilities of the situation are blah, blah, blah. But Shout anyway. out Daniel Stern from Yale. <laughs> some some, some nerd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is the, the nerd. While you guys all think it's Lamar Jackson, it's actually a dude from Yale. <laughs> um, so uh, I do think that we have to question their, like, I don't know. There's the play design, the play calling, the roster construction. At this point, the last several weeks, they've been in this whole season. We've been pretending like they're a good team or pretending like they're a great team who's fallen apart towards the end of games. But in actuality, particularly in the last few weeks, they have not been very good. And we've seen it in them. Even games they won. Like I went to the... Um, the Panthers game and I remember walk. Yeah. I remember my son really wanted to go, <sighs> but anyway, I remember walking out and in my head thinking, uh, man, Wilkes really got these guys playing for him. And then rewatching the game at home to look for things to say about it. I was like, mm, yeah, they're playing for Wilkes, but the Ravens are not that good. And it was really frustrating because it didn't sit right with what I thought of them. My feeling about the Ravens is they can win any game, but they're not a great team. Like because Very of tight-ish. they're tight. Yes, exactly. I think they can lose stupid games and I think they can beat like the Chiefs, 
You know what I mean? Like there's just, they're yep. a very unusually built team, but I just, it, it is so like, it, they're so dependent on Lamar to do crazy stuff. So it's interesting to watch them with Tyler Huntley to go to the injury because it's just totally different. Everything is different. It's not like, um, you know, like the backup is like the quarterback. He is not like Lamar Jackson. I've been seeing pe- some people say that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Racism. But um, <laughs> he is a very different quarterback. Um, yeah. And you saw that like on that, uh, the, the game winning drive against Denver was pretty much like the optimal Tyler Huntley drive, which is death by a thousand cuts. Uh, it's going to be a lot of quick stuff underneath to the outside lot of hitches. He's good against the blitz, uh, which changes the way defenses play them. And, you know, he he's uh, not going to push the ball downfield very much. It's just a totally, totally different offense. I think it's an offense that can win games. I think he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL. But I also think um, defenses are going to like, I, I think he is one of those quarterbacks that kind of benefited from oh, like the Broncos having to play him with totally different offense, totally different quarterback. Whereas I think they got the Steelers twice. They're going to see way more man coverage. They're going to sit on those routes um, and there's going to be more pressure on him to make plays. Uh, You know, we'll see. Like I said, I think he's a a good backup and they're, they're not going to get destroyed with him, but can he hold it down for one to three weeks? Can they stay in the division race? I, I don't know at this point. Lamar is one of those players that creates conversations that I love to participate in because people react to the the news with their preconceived notions about him. And then I can be really smart by debunking them. I, I um, You are really good at that. I saw you do it on first take a few moments ago. That was like incredibly artfully and tactfully done and it was like i'm watching and listening like no that's absolutely wrong mina tell them it's wrong and then you took like a circuitous route to tell them they were wrong while also giving them off ramps to jump off and then they both jumped off i was like yeah just like i was saying mina <laughs> it was really impressive well done thank you appreciate that yeah um yeah, no problem and then you also said get a bucket, which I was like, oh, she's she's in her bag now. Wait, <laughs> they, need a bi- chart, they need a guy who can get them they a bucket. They do need a guy. It's a big part of the reason why they're so bad in the freaking red zone. Who's going to go? Because everyone's going to double Mark Andrews, who has some, has some weird drops too this year. But um, it's 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 annoying. It's we, frustrating. On my, on my podcast, we do a lot of stuff with cliches and like try to explain them and stuff. But now you give me an idea is we should create the combination of stats that explain all the big cliches. Like you just did for a guy who can get you a bucket. Did you see someone did that for us with um, Josh Allen in the YOLO? Someone made a YOLO. I think Sam Hoppin did on Twitter, made a YOLO chart, basically quantifying Josh Allen's, you know, um, low percentage throws because he's makes so many. I, I love, love that. that. Get a, I didn't see get it. A, do a get a bucket chart for receivers, please. <laughs> Dance. <laughs> Dance for me. Okay. Um, <laughs> that was your woof. We'll see what happens. We're, we're both kind of, we're both Ravens fans, basically. So we yeah. want, we want this to work out. Um, so mm-hmm. my woof is on a similar to note, San Francisco 49ers losing their starting quarterback, although this one's much worse because he's out for the season, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, and which is, you know, is it much victory. worse. Let's have I mean, the injury is much worse. Uh, uh, well, OK, so Brock Purdy comes in. 
Dirty Purdy. He looks pretty similar to Jimmy Garoppolo. The offense looks basically the same. So uh, Miami, I, I suspect they probably would have done the same thing against Garoppolo, but even more so against the seventh-round draft pick. Um, stack the box, base personnel, basically daring him to throw, sending pr- a lot of pressure, and he acquitted himself pretty well. Made some pretty tough throws under pressure. Uh, now... That said, you know, it, this was, again, the backup coming off of the bench, the teams, everything's a little bit crazy. Do you think that he can approximate Jimmy Garoppolo level? Play? It sounds like you do over the course of the season. <sighs> yeah, I do. I mean, I think the combination. So if I if I had not seen him play and like 85 percent of that game, it might be a different story. But I think also, like, this is Kyle Shanahan's thing. Like, he has a track record of getting the best out of quarterbacks. And maybe he does not have a track record of, like, elite quarterback play. I guess the Matt Ryan year is one. But Mm -hmm. he does have a track record of, like, producing average to above average quarterback play from quarterbacks that we know not to be average to above average. And we saw him do it without any practice time with Brock Purdy. So like, I don't know why we would suspect that Brock Purdy is going to get worse. And maybe so like I heard people, I think RC was saying on Monday that like um, once people get film on Brock Purdy and my immediate response to that is like, it's not like we're looking at Flacco to, to Lamar in a yeah. change of like ability. But I guess what, what, what does make sense is different guys are comfortable with different things. And presumably uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to create uh, offense that allows Purdy to be in position to make the throws that he's comfortable with. So maybe guys will get film on that and try to take away the, except the problem with that is, Kyle Shanahan attacks the same part of the field every week, right. every yeah. like so with, what's the, with every quarterback every year. So like, I don't know. We'll see. I think you pose the the question that I don't think we have an answer to, which is what is the real difference between him and Jimmy Garoppolo? It wasn't really on display, frankly, against the Miami Dolphins. Now that's not to say it won't be on display later. Like maybe Brock Purdy is a little bit less accurate on some of those, I don't know, slants over the middle of the field that Jimmy Garoppolo has good ball placement to set up his, you know, receivers three yards out of the catch. Maybe Brock Purdy misses some of those throws. Maybe um he turns the ball over more than Garoppolo does. You know, I we'll see maybe there's a ball security issue. Maybe um his deep ball is worse. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't really throw him, but you know, every now and then he'll connect on one. Maybe Purdy just can't do it and Defenses basically, you know, sit even more. So uh, we're going to learn a lot about him. Maybe he's better at all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like Jimmy Jimmy has an elite bar. Yeah. So it sounds like your opinion of the Niners didn't change that much. That's what I said on TV today is they asked me if the 49ers are a Super Bowl contender. And I said anyone who thought they were last week should still feel the same way about them now. And I think that most of the time when you point it point to someone's playoff performance as a knock on them, normally it's a small sample size and you're like cherry picking examples. But that is not true of Jimmy Garoppolo, who's played in six games is a pretty large sample size. And you don't have to cherry pick like the success that they've had was not in Jimmy's 
good games. And then even wins that they've had, you mm-hmm. see Jimmy Garoppolo missing the chances to put the wins away. So, like, I think Brock Purdy is capable of missing the chances to put wins away. The defense, and you could, again, argue this was the case with Garoppolo, just has to be so good. <laughs> they <laughs> beat again, the Saints yeah. 13-0. yeah. I mean, and they what they did to the Dolphins, we're not even talking about the Dolphins, but <sighs> holy crap, that was just impressive. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I still have them as a woof because I'll just say, I, I think it's unlikely that he's better than Garoppolo. I do think it's possible that the drop-off is not massive, but I'm not going to come out here and lie and say I watched Brock Purdy's college tape and have a good sense of who he is as a quarterback. But a lot of people did. A lot of people did. Uh, so, yeah. you know. And he was Mr. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, I do think they should stick with him. I don't think the Baker news is broke yet. That didn't make sense to me, especially because... Um, you know, there's this kind of assumption that, oh, the Niners offense is similar to when the Browns, when Baker was successful. That's not really true, actually, anymore. Um, it's not like a yeah. as much of an out under center play action boot. Uh, maybe they would be with Baker, but I, I think um, I don't think. Yeah. And yeah. concept like, yeah, I mean, the the they're from the same tree, but like in overall concept, I think it's fair to say, like, it's a situation where you're asking him to point guard to a lot of playmakers. Um, behind a good offensive, well, this offensive line isn't as good as those Browns O lines were, but like you got a great running back, you got some great receivers, so like that to me feels uh, similar. But you're right, scheme wise, they've they've evolved away from that. Um, I disagree with you on one thing though. Like I don't know that Baker is the answer, but they need to bring in as many people as they can, or as <laughs> much as they can. Like I and and even if Baker's not the starter, who's after Brock Purdy? So Josh like Johnson. if yeah, so that's the point is like yeah, you need somebody, you need more because you don't know what's going to happen, and that's fair. and Baker's not going to make it to him. I don't think Baker, as we talked about earlier, I don't think Baker sounds like clears waivers. Up. Yeah, somebody will grab him for a million dollars just to test drive. I'm doing a lot of car analogies today. RG three somewhere stretching. Yeah, yeah, warming that arm up like uh like that white kid in the Cam Newton commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that commercial in a while. Where's that kid now? Is it too early to do a where are they now? He's Brock Purdy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he might be. All right, you're winner. Let's end uh, on a positive note. Oh, you kind of spun um, it in a positive direction for Niners fans. So. Yeah, I, I did. I had them positive as one of my guy. potential winners. Yeah, I think I it's... Like that. I like that. Um, my winner is the Raiders. And mm. in part, just because... We really haven't had a chance to talk about them, and I'm not sure that we are going to have much more chances as the season goes on, but they won three in a row. They're running the ball, protecting the quarterback, playing enough defense to win. Well, not they don't play good defense every week, but enough defense to to win football games. And Adams is a menace. And <sighs> yeah, it's it's all very fun and interesting for a team that does not like they always seem cool, I guess, like the Raiders <laughs> black jerseys and they They're don't anymore. Yeah. yeah they, well, so I watched this game, the Chargers game yesterday. I'm talking about the Chargers. Josh Jacobs. With Marcel Louis Jacques, Chargers Dolphins coming up this week. 
But I think my, my big takeaway from the Raiders, well, two things. One, cover your ears, Vikings fans. One score game, luck tends to turn. <laughs> that was, yeah. I think, I think the Raiders were really unlucky in the beginning of the season. Um, not that they were a great team, but I'm just saying, like, eventually those things do tend to turn. Um, the other thing is, though, this was kind of like the Raiders team we thought we might see this season, which was, I don't think anyone thought they were going to be like a perfect team, but you thought, oh, Devontae Adams is going to do Devontae Adams things, and then the, the bookend edge rushers can take over games. And that's really what happened. Now, they were rushing against what I believe is probably the worst offensive line in football right now in uh, Los Angeles. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's enough to keep them in the conversation because right now in the AFC, okay, so you've got, I'm going to assume the Bills and the Dolphins are probably going to be in. I don't have the percentages in front of me. I'm just taking it. Then in the North, let's say, let's give it both to the Ravens and the Bengals. So that's two wild card spots taken up. Uh, the Chiefs in the West and then in the South, the Titans. So you're looking at a race between the Raiders the Chargers, the Patriots, the Jets, and I guess we can throw in the Jags maybe or something. It's any of those teams right now. I was looking at their schedules because I thought we might talk about it first take. We didn't. But it's they're all kind of clustered together. I don't think any yeah. team has a distinct advantage. I don't think any of those teams I just mentioned is markedly better than the others. Uh, the Jets have the best defense, but, you know, obviously the offense. So it, it really could go any way. So the according to five thirty eight, the Raiders. I mean, the Chargers have a thirty percent chance to make it, and then they in the, in the coming weeks they have Miami, Tennessee, and Indianapolis, which are um, winnable Tough. games, especially if Miami doesn't have an offensive tackle. The Raiders have a sixteen percent chance of making it to the playoff, uh, and they got the Rams, the Pats, and the Steelers, and the Jets are at forty eight percent with the Bills, the Lions. And the Jags. That's not easy for the Jets. Yeah. Bills. I don't I mean, I I really I know we're not supposed to be doing this, but like Mike White. I like him. He was good in that game, I thought. Like I, I had them listed as a potential winner, even though they yeah. lost. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can I just get off a quick rant? Uh, I don't think Michael Fleur is a podcast listener, but just in case he is. No more Braxton Berrios. Enough with Braxton Berrios. Society has moved on the need for Braxton Berrios plays in the red zone. And I'm not just talking about the drop. I'm talking about uh, they had a sweep earlier that went for nothing. There's always like these screens to bear. It was when he was the only wide receiver on your team. And he was like surprisingly good. It was fine. You have Garrett Wilson now. Stop oh, it. Lord. Stop it. Stop oh. it. Stop it. Garrett Wilson no is so, so like no more last bears. week, last week I did a, a Garrett Wilson deep dive and like film study and looking at a bunch of his targets. He's so good. He's like, I mean, the open. catches, the catches are great. 
Yeah. Yeah. But the non catches, the targets, and even the routes run, and like him on the off the line. That's one of the things that I look yes. for is how well you beat press coverage because it's like it, it slows down your offense. Like those because like you talk about um, time to throw a lot and how important that is. Yeah. So and you point out how a tenth here, a tenth there matters. If someone presses your receiver and it takes like two tenths is not a lot of time. That extra two tenths. I, there was a sack that the Eagles had this week. It was because Bradbury like caused a little bit of a hold uh, because he um, he called the quarterback to hold the ball a second longer because he like obstructed the route. And to get back to Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Your offensive line has to be a little bit less bad when Garrett Wilson is received is throw is running routes. Your quarterback can make quicker decisions. It's just he's good. Did you notice he might be the best talking about this? Mm, I'm gonna wait till the end of the year, and I still really like Chris Olave. But RC and I were talking about this. Yeah. Did you notice the the Niners? Mm. Hey, still like who? Did, you know, did you notice the Niners corners pressing the Dolphins receivers? Hey. Yeah, I did notice that. It's a timing offense, man. Taking yeah. off a little bit. It's scary. It's scary. You could look yeah, really stupid. I mean, and sometimes yeah, you will. And, and, and they got open. Uh, but you just yeah. messing with the timing combined with the pressure. I think um, last several years, I think uh, Tyreek Hill was the best um, receiver versus press uh, with like yards per. I don't know. I'll, I'll look it up anyway to make sure. But yeah. Um, it's a risk, but when you have a defensive line like they have, I yes. mean, I assume that's what they're, that's the game plan. That's D'Amico it's, is like, all right, you guys going to be in trouble up front. Yes. Yeah. You have to have the four man rush and the press because it, even if Tyreek Hill is going to get open because Tuatanga Bailoa wants to get that ball out so quick against mm-hmm. that offense, that, that pass rush versus, you know, they're, they didn't have their starting tackles. Even a split second can make a difference because that ball is coming out so hot. I mean, having it all tied tied together matters a whole bunch, and like they and having the talent, yeah. That, because it would assume is like defense, yeah. What you assume by putting your corners in press against Waddle and Hill is like, damn, you're asking a lot of your corners right now. But if you have a D line like they have, and the Dolphins have an O line like they have with both their tackles down, you're like kind of taking the pressures off the corner because you're like, look. Just hold him here for like just three tenths. Just, just stay mess in front with of him the timing. For three tenths of a second. He's probably gonna yeah, get just open. Mess with the timing he was open. a little bit. Like all the yeah. in that game when you when like, you watch the tape, he's freaking open. But it doesn't matter because by the time he gets open, yeah. the picture is a little bit different because yeah. that pass rush is so insane and then they were injured in the offensive line. And that pass rush like comes with a reputation. Which means that the quarterback is going to be concerned about it from the start, which means he's going to that clock in his head is going to be tick, tick, ticking faster than it normally does. And then if you have success once or twice early in the game, quarterback is thrown off for the whole game. Hypothetically, obviously. Yeah, we're not talking. Yeah, and I talk about anybody in particular. Just hypothetical situation. I love to. I'm gonna talk about them. I uh, that well ahead of the Chargers game, but uh, yeah, Niners defense. That was a whole segment about the Niners defense, not the Dolphins. Ooh. Niners defense. Whom sweet uh, love? No, 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 no. It was supposed to be about the Raiders. Remember? Oh yeah, but you're talking about yeah. pressing and yeah. Uh, congrats, Raiders. You got some wins in a row. Shout out to the Raiders. How do we get AFC. there? You start talking about the playoffs. Yeah. I'm thinking about the playoffs. 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 All right, Dominique. We're always thinking about the playoffs in this podcast. 
Uh, check out the Dominique Foxworth show wherever you get your pods. Although he just said that the, he's smarter on my show. So yeah. Yeah, I am, which is weird. Right, well, sorry. I don't know. Bye. Bye.